Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Aviation Avenue podcast. Folks, I'm happy to be back with you recording yet another episode. So, everybody, before we get to our topic today, a few announcements, and then we'll jump right in. So, everybody, this is episode 99 of the Aviation Avenue podcast. We are only one episode away from 100, and actually, I'm going to be doing a... I'm going to be doing a 100 episode celebration on my Instagram account soon, and uh, I uh, there's a Google form in the link in my Instagram bio. Uh, you guys just click on that link, and you can fill that out. Uh, just uh, type in your favorite guests, and uh, I'll bring three of them back, or maybe all four if I can swing that. Uh, everybody... Uh, the the form is due by the 13th of October, or if I can push it back if anybody needs more time to think, just let me know. So, everybody, today we're going to be looking back at the PBY Catalina episode. Uh, it's a really cool aircraft, uh, the, the, the flying boat used during World War II. So, everybody, our special guest, Kevin Parks, is coming back today to talk about this wonderful Warbird, and uh, we hope you enjoy it, alright? We hope you enjoy. Hi! Welcome to the Lake Superior Squadron 101's hangar up here in Toasty Duluth, Minnesota. The temperature right now outside is a balmy 9 degrees, and it's snowing. I'd like to welcome you to our facility. You can see behind me we have the RPBY Catalina. Right now, I'm at the very nose of the aircraft, and this is where the nose turret would be. And you can see up above up here, the wing where the, and the engines where they're working on them. I'd uh, like to take any questions if anybody has any. Um, don't really know what to tell you right now, other than i really like to have your support for our PBY during the 12 planes of Christmas. You can go to www.cafpby.org to donate. Um, I don't know what else we could really say. You can kind of see down the side of the aircraft here. We're going to take a quick walk down here as far as we can go. Uh, you can see the side of the airplane right now, then the, where the main landing gear is down, and the nose gear down below us down here. It, the front of the airplane looks kind of rough to people. The reason it's open the way it is is we have a nose turret that will be fitted in there along with other panels. Here's the nose turret right over here. And you can see this is an armored panel. It's very, very heavy. It's probably heavier than the whole trailing edge of the aircraft itself, which we're working on. We've got those inside the shops. Um, there's six sections that go across the back of the wing. There's two sections matching pairs all the way in. Ailerons, small pieces and large pieces. As of right now, we've got one of the aileron attachments and one of the small pieces ready to be recovered. And right now, the other two are just about ready to be finished up. They say within a matter of weeks they'll be done with the preparation, and it just has to be sprayed with the zinc chromate, and it'll be recovered. Micah's wondering a little bit of the history of her. Did she uh, do any service in war, and how did you obtain her? No, our airplane didn't make it into combat. It wasn't delivered into the Navy until September of 1945. Like most Dash 6As PBYs, they didn't really get into the combat theaters. Um, our airplane was made in 
uh, April of, of 45, but it took until September to be delivered. It stayed in military service for only a matter of a couple months before it was stored. And then it had quite a few different civilian owners. Um, up in Canada, it was converted into a fire bomber. Then it went into storage again, and it was purchased by France, and they use it as a water bomber over there. Then it came back to the United States, and it was back up into Canada again. And then it finally went into storage in the early 90s, and then it was purchased by the CAF, and it was restored back to a full uh, stock configuration where the water tanks were taken out, and it stayed that way until the, the CAF unit down in this, what was it, known as the South, or the the Southern Minnesota Wing down in South St. Paul, which is now the Minnesota Wing. What's the difference between the five or a six, I was asked? The main difference between the five and the six is the tail surface. Um, the, the five had the older style rounded off vertical tail, where the six, they extended the height up about three more feet. They also made the elevators a little wider, a little easier to control. They also extended the bottom of the hull a couple feet, which made water handling a little bit easier. Uh, will she see the sky again? Oh, it's going to see the sky again. It's going to take a while. Um, we're a very small unit. Um, they only work on the airplanes. It'll be exact. They're going to be in here in a couple hours. They usually start rolling in about 5 o'clock, and they'll start working on the trailing edges again. But, oh, yeah, it's going to fly. Definitely going to fly. We have Ryan asking what the engine size is behind you. We have actually two of them behind you. The engines, these are our 1830s. These are the same engines that we have up on the, the aircraft's wing. We have a couple spares. Um, as you can see by the coloration of the, the what's left of the coloring, this was one of the engines that was on the PBY the day it flipped over in 1998, the blue and white the, um, coloration on the cowl. I'm, if you're familiar with the fact that this airplane has had its wing taken off, and this, this the wing that you see on here now is off of a separate hull that we have here. We have kept that hull for cockpit tours. We'll, we'll, we'll swing over there if you want to quick, take a quick look at it. This airplane donated its vertical tail surfaces and its wings. The reason this airplane wasn't being restored is because they went through it after, oh, this must have been the early 2000s, and they found a mass of saltwater corrosion in the rear of the aircraft, so it made the aircraft unflyable. At the time, the people in the unit made a decision, well, let's take the wing off of the Redbird, which was red at the time, now it's called Paintsman stripped, and put it on the wing of the blue aircraft. Um, this is something that was very rarely even done during the military in World War II. But we have the facility that was available to us across the hangar. Both airplanes were pulled across the hangar, across the airfield, I should say. The wing was taken off of this aircraft, the red PBY, lifted up into the air. This aircraft was rolled out, the, the fuselage or slash hull of the blue one was brought in. The wing was set back down and it was attached. The thing about a PBY is the wing is only attached on there by two bolts. There's one at the front and one at the rear of the hull. And you can see the attachment point up at the top of the pilot. Along with the wing struts, that's what holds this airplane up, the wing, wing on the airplane. Anything else yet? I'm trying to... 50 people are watching us so far. Okay. Well, we'll go back over to the blue airplane.
to these engines, the, I'd say these are our 1830s or Pratt and Whitney's. They put out about 1,200 horsepower. The what's one thing about the PBY? The engines really never changed from the PBY dash one to the PBY dash six. It was just different versions of the same engine. Um, like I said, we really appreciate your donation to our aircraft, and you can donate at www.cafpby.org. We are. This is our second day of being uh, the featured aircraft for the 12 planes of Christmas. There's been quite a few people that have donated to us, but um, the aircraft this large and a unit this small, you know, it's gonna it's gonna take us a while to to get everything that we need and to get it done. So, nothing else. Uh, can you talk about the paint restoration? Okay, the paint. The scheme that you see on here now, the dark blue, light blue, white, will be taken off. It will be painted in a, a blue-gray top and a light-gray bottom. The aircraft is going to be painted as um, aircraft 23-P-6, Howard Addy's aircraft at the Battle of Midway. This is the aircraft that found the Japanese carrier fleet. Um, it's not a PBY-5 which was the aircraft, but as of right now, I don't know of any, and the flying boats that are flying, pretty much everything out there are amphibians. Technically, it's an incorrect scheme, but that's what we're going with, too. You know, it's, it's a very big turning point in the Battle of the Pacific was finding the Japanese carriers at Midway. Even though we knew they were coming, we just didn't know exactly where they're at. So that's what it's going to look like. We're, we'll make a few modifications to the the hull, um, especially into like the blisters and stuff back here. What is the flying range as well? The flying range? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure of the range, but I can tell you that it can, it flew missions up to 24 hours unrefueled. It could stay in the air that long. At 125 mile an hour cruise, I'm not exactly sure what that computes out to, but I know that day they were out about four to five hundred miles where they found the Japanese carriers so but the, the blisters that you see here these will be swapped out these are these are incorrect blisters the actual blister on a PBY was a two section one section rolled up inside of the second section to show the bolt uh, the bolt well the bolt I was telling you about uh, I don't have one on hand, but you can see at the, at the kind of the, through the maze of the, the grid work there, at the, kind of at the back of the blue, kind of for that first square on the top, you can see the head of the bolt in there. Um, when the plane was flipped over, why, why we're looking for one of these bolts is that they have a bad habit of torquing the bolts in where you can't get them back out again. Uh, how many hours of restoration uh, to restore here? How many hours it's going to take to restore? Oh, uh, I right now they started this restoration before I started up here, and I've been in the unit now for about eight years. They were working on it before then. the The wing swap came about, if I remember right, in two thousand and nine, which was just about the time I got here, but it was a little bit before that. Uh, hours to finish. Oh, it's so hard to say. Um, 
the problem that we're running into on those the trailing edge pieces is the damage that we're finding in there. There's a lot of sections in the the ribbing that were cracked and broken, and we we make a repair, and it's like we find two or three more that we need to be repaired. So we're we're finally making headway on it. If you watch our Facebook page in the next few days, I have a couple of videos to show you what the trailing edge looks like right now as after it's been covered with the preservative paint. And I also have a video of the person that's kind of going to be in charge of our fabric recovering. He's got a sewing machine that he's actually going to be using to sew the fabric sections together. Um, he was showing me the day how we got the, camp the uh, sewing machine all set up. So those will be coming up in the next few days. No other questions? All right, nothing yet. But okay. It's hard to walk and read sometimes. I well, might, might have missed one or two, so We'll go a little farther <laughs> to the back of the airplane. This is one of the other sections that they're working on. This is where AAR Corporation will be helping us out in the tail section of the airplane. And you notice the how the coloration of the it changes on the tail from the blue, blue, to non-painted. That was all parts of the airplane that had to be replaced when the plane was flipped over. From there on up was totally destroyed. So to talk about the history of this specific airplane. Um, did, I think I did a little bit earlier. It was made in New Orleans in 1945. Um, Consolidated, consolidated Aircraft started a specific factory in New Orleans to produce PBY-68s. The rest of the, the PBYs were majority were made out in San Diego at the factory out there. It was accepted by the Navy in, in September 1945, but it never went overseas as a Navy combat aircraft. It served in a couple of Naval Air Stations. Um, Naval Air Station Atlanta comes to mind. And most of the time, it spent its time in storage. And it had been purchased by some civilian owners. Um, it had been in places like Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It went up into Manitoba, where it was converted into a water bomber. Then it was put back into storage again. And then it was purchased by uh, the government of France to fight fires over there. It was over there for a couple years. It went into Norway. And it came back to the United States, and it went into storage again before the Commemorative Air Force purchased it in the early, early 90s. The work was done on it. It was flown for four years by the Minnesota Wing down in St. Paul. And, and then in May of 1998 was when the, the storm came home and flipped the aircraft over. It was, the storm was bad enough where there were some small aircraft. They, I was told they actually had to pick airplanes out of trees. Um, one person told me it was straight line winds, another told me it was a tornado. Well, if you can imagine an airplane this big with a 104-foot wingspan and 63 feet long being picked up, stood on its nose, pirouetted, and slammed back down on its back, that's what happened to this airplane. So there was, it was stayed in storage for a while. At the time, we were a detachment of that wing. This was the only hangar in the state of Minnesota that could house this airplane. So it was trucked up here on a specifically made boat trailer. The wing was brought up separately and they brought the airplane into the hangar. With the insurance money, they purchased the other aircraft, the red aircraft. They flew that until about 2003, 2004, 
when they wanted to do the restoration and they found the corrosion. So they, they couldn't really figure out what to do for a while and the powers that be decided, well, let's do the wing swap. They got the okay from headquarters to do it and they did it. Uh, you may have seen a picture on our Facebook page a couple of days ago about showing pitch people rolling the blue aircraft under the suspended wing. So we have a few people that are still in the squad and they were there that day. Um, we have one of the guys that showed, he showed me how he run the, actually did the rudder pedals when they were towing them over there, how to get it over there without crashing the plane. So, What is the load capacity, I was asked here as well. Uh, the load capacity, surprisingly, it's not a whole lot. Totally loaded. This airplane only weighs about 33,000 pounds. It has to be very light to be able to, the range that it has, you know, and the, the, the cruising time that it has and also to be able to get off the water. Uh, PY is unique in the fact it has no flaps. So on a calm day, it can't get off the water, it can't break the suction. So the pilot would run around, rough up the surface of the water, then he could take off. Can you explain how hard it is for us to find parts for this? People have been asking. How hard is it to find parts? Well, actually, <laughs> other than the wing bolt, Finding parts isn't so hard because we have enough parts here where we could, we could, uh, we could, uh, if we had to make another wing, we could make another wing. We have another whole wing section. Engine-wise, we just have the, the two good engines. These other engines would take full overhauls. Um, the main part, big, biggest problem would be to try to find another vertical tail surface. It's almost every aircraft out there that's flying is a six, is not a six, it's a five, five eight version, which has a different tail. So I'm not sure if the tail surfaces from a five eight or six A are interchangeable. I've been told they are, but I can't say, say for a fact. The other area that we got back here, if everybody wants to see what this hole in the back of the airplane is, this is the position for what was known as a tunnel gun. There is a door in here, the door could be undogged, picked up, and there's a mount right up in here for a 30 caliber machine gun that would be pointed out the belly of the airplane to protect the bottom if somebody was trying to attack the aircraft from the bottom. But the main tactic for a PBY pilot was try to get down as close to the water as he could. And that way if a plane dove at him, he had to pull out early, otherwise he would crash into the water. Capacity is 1,500 pounds, they're saying, if she weighs 35,000, and, and uh, if she's... Well, to total, total loaded weight, the total capacity, total weight of this aircraft is 33,000 pounds, just a little under 33,000 pounds. So I'm guessing the empty weight is probably around 18 to 20,000. Um, I'd have to look up in the front up here, but just offhand, um, it could carry... Bombs and torpedoes, um, we don't have the mounts in here. We will put the bomb racks in when it's when we get there. It could carry bombs, it could carry torpedoes. Um, one thing most people don't know about PBYs are that uh, the night before the big battle at Midway, four of these airplanes conducted a night torpedo attack on the Japanese transports. So they could do it. Um, there's another famous torpedo attack where a Marine general used the PBYs as courier aircraft. He came into Guadalcanal. They fitted it with makeshift torpedo racks and they attacked Japanese freighters that night. How about fuel capacity? Oh, fuel capacity. I'm not exactly sure, but I can tell you that the section of the wing 
you notice where the break in the wing is up here? Over here. You can see where the break in the wing is. That section across is all fuel tanks. There are no fuel tanks carried inside of the hull. It's all in the center section of the wing. Uh, somebody was asking about the plexi on the bubbles. I... The plexi on the bubbles? Well, the plexi on the bubbles aren't the standard um, bubble configuration. I was saying before, the, the, the actual bubble configuration, there was an inside and an outside. So when the gunner got into this position, he could roll back the inside piece and it would serve as a windbreak. And it would also serve as a divider between the gunner on the other side if they were both firing. Oh, the uh, wrist... Uh restoration I'm thinking what do we use to restore it is it a well, we've got or? we've got the original blister um, you can see laying right down underneath the airplane here you can see both pieces in here it's kind of jumbled up right now we're in kind of winter winter storage mode but we do have two sets of the blisters and we're gonna go back to the original configuration when we're done um, the reason this was made the way it was it's much easier for somebody to access the airplane how are you going to restore it, though, I'm thinking is what they're asking. How are you going to restore it? We'll have to find somebody that can manufacture Plexi for us. I'm sure there's enough window places around that can can manufacture to it once we get the size. What's the estimated cost of the airplane, do you think, for after the for completion? The estimated cost, we're probably looking somewhere between a half a million to three quarters of a million dollars total cost when we're done. Um, we're, we're getting a lot of volunteer help on uh, not only is we have a group from AAR coming over we also have Lake Superior College's School of Aviation a couple buildings down from us they've been bringing some of their students over to work on the airplane they've also told us that hopefully sometime this winter if not next spring their students are going to come over and give the aircraft a total inspection for corrosion control and then they're going to work on the firewalls, the engines, which means we'll have to take the engines off. That's the only way you can get at it, obviously. So, And we know the engines are still in good shape, even though they've been up there. The plane really hasn't moved for probably about four or five years. We had it outside a few years ago for an air show. It's still dripping oil which is a good sign for a radial engine I've always been told if it's not dripping oil there's something wrong with it so <laughs> anything else no, I don't see or, any other questions about okay. this time well if there's nothing else uh, we're going to call it a day remember you can donate to the aircraft www.pcaf pby.org and okay everybody that was our episode on the pby catalina we hope you guys enjoyed that again uh thank you to kevin parks for joining us for the second time to talk about this wonderful uh flying boat using world war ii the pby catalina thank you to the commemorative air force media uh, everybody, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Aviation Avenue Pod. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Aviation Avenue. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, make sure to use listener support using the link in any podcast uh, platform. 
And uh, we will see you next week here on the show. So long for now, everybody.